Hello, welcome to Carmen Light Conversations. This is Frances Harry, your host. We recently received a presentation by Deacon Russell Bodlin. He's a longtime member of the Secular Order of Discast Carmelites. He gave us a talk entitled Transfiguration Encounter. This will really perk your spirits. So I invite you to listen and enjoy Deacon Baldwin's Transfiguration Encounter. God bless you. Some time ago, I was reflecting on the transfiguration of our Lord, which we celebrated last month. And as you know, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a high mountain, traditionally identified as Mount Tabor. There, Jesus was transfigured in glory, his face shining like the sun and his clothes dazzling white. Moses and Elijah came to him and spoke to him about the death he would experience in Jerusalem. In this short and simple account of a singularly extraordinary event, there are many parallels and analogies to our spiritual journey with the Lord as Carmelites. First, Jesus took his disciples to a high mountain apart from everyone to be by themselves. How often are we reminded to go to our inner room to be with God? It's when we're alone with God, apart from everyone for a time, that we're most disposed to encounter him in a special way. Moses' first encounter with God was when he was alone on a mountain and saw the burning bush. And both Moses and Elijah encountered God on Mount Sinai, where Moses received the law and Elijah, our father in the order of Carmel, saw God's glory from the cleft of the rock. They had singularly unique mountaintop experiences, as we say. A glorious encounter, just like Peter, James, and John had with Jesus. And as you know, Jesus often went to the mountains to pray with his disciples. It was probably his favorite place to pray. But for all the times that the disciples went with Jesus to the mountain, how often did they have a transfiguration experience. Only once. And only three of them were with him at that. Most of his disciples never saw him glorified as Peter, James, and John did. And Peter understandably wanted to prolong that experience as long as possible. Lord, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents. But it was not to be. In fact, Jesus told them not to tell anyone about it. So all that made me wonder. It made me wonder about the other times Jesus and his disciples went to the mountain but didn't have a transfiguration experience. Didn't they have an encounter with God nonetheless? Of course they did. God himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, was with them in all his glory. In the same glory as at the transfiguration, only his glory was hidden beneath his humanity, as it were. Or perhaps his disciples didn't have the eyes to see at the time. 
For I'm sure there are many times when the disciples went to pray, they were tired and distracted or worried about various things, just as we are. But weren't they still with the Lord? Surely they had an encounter with the Lord anyway. And wasn't Jesus pleased that they kept watch with him for an hour, no matter how they felt? As we mature in our spiritual walk, we come to focus more and more on him and less and less on ourselves and how we feel. St. Therese of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face, the Little Flower, exemplified this wisdom throughout her life as a religious, but most poignantly when she was dying. One of my favorite books of hers was one she didn't write a single word of herself. Rather, her sisters wrote down what Therese said over the months she was dying of tuberculosis while in the infirmary. The book is called Her Last Conversations. In it, she shows us what it means to be close to Jesus, despite how we feel, and how to unite our sufferings with his. It's one of those books where it is rare for me to have any fewer than two or three highlighted quotations from Therese on every page. So profound was the wisdom that came from this holy saint. For example, the world thinks that if someone is holy, it will be immediately obvious. That is, everyone will notice how virtuous and holy that person is. The truth is, however, that often this isn't the case. Therese, for example, was considered a fine nun, but when it became clear she would not recover from tuberculosis, her fellow nuns wondered what they could possibly write in her obituary since she hadn't done anything special or extraordinary. No one knew they had a saint living among them. Some likewise think that people who are holy are free of worldly troubles or concerns and that it is for that reason they were able to become holy. But St. Therese assures us, and her life bears witness, that this too is not so. In fact, she said, God made me understand my glory would not be evident to the eyes of mortals, that it would consist in becoming a great saint. And at another time she wrote, I didn't think before entering Carmel that one had to suffer very much to reach sanctity, but God was not long in showing me this was so. Once during her illness, which was long and painful, her sister had mass said for her. Later, when her sister saw her still suffering, she said sadly, you haven't received any relief. To which St. Therese asked, it was to obtain relief for me that you had mass said? No, her sister replied, it was for your good. St. Therese then answered, My good then is to suffer. On the mountain, as Jesus was transfigured before them, God told Peter, James, and John, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Clearly, St. Therese of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face did just that. Clearly, 
we should too.